You have your Bibles if you go to Deuteronomy chapter number 1 and just one verse, verse 31. And again, happy, happy Father's Day, man. God bless you. We have a wonderful group of men here and we thank the Lord for you and your faithfulness and your service, your devotion to the Lord and to your family and to his church. We can't be who we're made to be without our men. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 31. And in the desert there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. We'll preach a few minutes this morning. Our title will be Three Dimensions of a Father. Three Dimensions of a Father. And we pray that this message would um, instruct us and inspire us to fulfill our calling and fulfill our role as as God's men. Now, it's so good as Christians that we um, have a Heavenly Father and He loves us with an everlasting love and He cares for us and His care and compassion, they're new every morning and He's always there. That's so important. He meets our needs. He um, affirms our value. He blesses our efforts. And we're thankful for that because when a person becomes a Christian, God is not just Creator. He becomes Father. Um, John 1 and 12, Jesus, it says, Yet to all who received Jesus, John 1 and 12, to all who received Him, to those that believed in His name, He gave the right or the power to become children of God. How does God become your father? He received Jesus. Whoever received Jesus, him, not a doctrine, not a church, and not a philosophy. Who received the person? The Lord Jesus. When you receive Jesus and believe in his name, then he gives you that privilege and the right to become a child of God. You receive the Lord and you're reconciled to the living God and you're restored back to that place of sonship and privilege that we had should have had from the beginning and then you can say and pray with confidence our father who art in heaven that's matthew 6 and 9 then you can don't have to look at god as some distant creator that's untouchable unknowable unlovable matthew 6 and and verse 9 our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name then we can expect the provision the protection and the um, empowering that a father gives to a son. And more than that, then we can learn to relate to the living God in a way that we never dreamed. Romans 8 and 15 tells us that when we get saved, we don't receive a spirit that makes us a slave to fear. God's no making, he's not, he's not a harsh God, he's not a, a cruel father. We, we don't receive a spirit that makes us a slave to fear. We receive a spirit when we get saved of sonship and it makes us say, Abba, Father. It makes us relate to God as Abba, Father. Now that word Abba, is, it's an Aramaic word, it's an informal way. Um, it conveys a sense of intimacy. It's like we would say Papa or Daddy. It expresses a tenderness, an intimacy with God, a dependency, a relationship that's free of anxiety and free of fear. So again, we're blessed to have a Heavenly Father because even those of us that have and had wonderful dads in the natural sense, um, we know that human fathers are just human at best. And our Heavenly Father, 
He can fill every gap. He can make up for what is lacking. He can be there and make up for our limitations and our humanity, things that we lose and uh, the human frailties and so forth. So we thank God that we have a Heavenly Father. But this morning the Lord would impress upon our hearts that as earthly fathers, He has called us to be like Him. He has called us to follow His example and to imitate Him as we fulfill our calling and our purpose and our role as men of God. So this morning, three dimensions of a father will cover all that we can as time allows. We'll look, number one, at his description, his description. Secondly, we'll get to his dynamic. There's a dynamic in being a dad. There's a dynamic in carrying out this role. And then lastly, if we get that far, his decision, his decision. So number one, we see a father's description, um, function, a father's function. You see, names or titles should um, describe a function of a person, a function of a man. And names in Scripture, specifically when we talk about God, they describe and they detail character, the nature, and the function of that person. Now, again, through, through God's name, through the titles of God, He reveals and teaches you and I much about Himself. He reveals to us who He is. He reveals what He desires to do. And specifically, He speaks to His men and He shows us how He desires us to function as if God says, men, be like Me. He declares to His fathers, be like your Heavenly Father. So again, in the Bible, one thing we learn when there's a name, a title, or description, it's not just there if someone needs a name. It, it reveals, it discloses. It communicates the person's role, the person's desire, the person's makeup, specifically when we're talking about God. It's a revelation, it's an instruction, and it's an example to us who follow him of how we are to act and how we are to function. He's our example. So very quickly, we'll look at two, two characteristics that God wants his men to imitate in this life. The first one is what the Bible calls Jehovah Shammah, or, or the Lord is there. The Lord is there. You find that in Ezekiel 48. And it's, it's a name that declares, God declares to his people, I'm here. I'm with you, and I'm for you. No matter what you're going through or where life takes you, one thing you can be sturdy, one thing you can be settled, I'm here, and that's good. His name was revealed when Israel was in what we call the Babylonian captivity. Israel had sinned and God had chastised them and the Babylonians had taken them away. And while Jerusalem, their great city, was destroyed, while the temple was in ruins, in one of the darkest periods of Israel's history, in the midst of some of the hardest times they had, their darkest moments, this is um, when so much was uncertain, when so much was unsettled in their lives, God comes to his people and he reveals himself through this name, so that they would know that even in the hardest of times, there's something they can always be confident in. There's something they can always depend on. There's something they can always find hope and strength. And it's the fact that I'm here. I'm with you and I'm for you. I'm a present help in your life. Um, count on my presence is what God says to his people. I am Jehovah Shammah. 
And many times life will take you up, down, and all around. But the confidence you have when I am your Father is that I'm there. Through thick and through thin, you might not feel me. You might not be able to sense me with the natural senses. But you can know by the authority and the trustworthiness of my Word, I'm with you and I'm for you. And folks, in a world where unfortunately, in a time that we live in, where unfortunately too many have been wounded, or affected, afflicted by absentee or um, distant. What's the word that they use in the papers? Deadbeat dads. We have a heavenly father that says, man, be like me. And be there. And be present. And be available. And be accessible. And be involved. And be consistent. Jehovah Shammah. God is there. Or Father is here. What good news to the believer. Peace, be still, Father is here. Mountain, get ready to be removed. My Father is here. Oh, a battling believer, rest your weary head on the goodness of your God and know that you know Father is with you. Father is for you. Father is going to take good care of you. Can you say amen? And if you're God's man, do we got anyone God's man out there? Any God's man? Amen. If you're God's man, then, then God says, just by being there, by your available presence, there's power in your presence. Just by being there, there you are a shield and you impart and you confirm. Just by being there like Jehovah Shammah, by being present and being available and being consistent you, you shield those that are entrusted to you. You shield them from innumerable dysfunctions and deceptions and dangers. And you impart into their life untold blessings just by being there and allowing who you are as a man of God to be poured out into them. And you confirm just by being there. Your life reinforces, your life um, illustrates and demonstrates the very convictions we say we hold and we desire to pass on are passed on when we're there and they're in our presence. God's man has been given the gift of influence. There's power in our presence. God's man has been able to um, grant to those that are under his shadow these beautiful blessings. But these blessings in my influence and the power of my presence doesn't work unless I'm there. Uh, unless I'm there, the, the blessing can't flow. Unless I'm there, the example can't be taught. Unless I'm there, the, the, the authority that shields them and protects them is lifted up. But if I'm there, sometimes we fail to understand how important our present man you are very, very important. Sometimes the media makes fun of men. They put on their silly shows, making dad look like a nincompoop. And, and then we see all the ugly statistics. But I want you to know from the authority of God's word, you are so important to your world. You are greatly important to your world and to those God has entrusted to your kingdom. And sometimes we fail to understand the importance of this and that just being there. And here's one example. There was a famous biographer, and he often referred in his diary about a special day when his father took him fishing. 
The day was fixed in his mind, and he often reflected upon the many things his father taught him in the course of that fishing experience together. Now, after having heard of that fishing so often, someone that knew this biographer said, I'm going to check out the journal of his dad to see what a parent's perspective was of that. Someone was studying this. And he turned to the date, and the reader found only one sentence. Simply said, gone fishing today with my son, a day wasted. You see, the father did a good thing, but he had no understanding of the power of his presence and how really important it was that he did by being there. He did the right thing, but we see many times we fail to understand how powerful our gift of influence is. It's been given by God Almighty. Um, Society will tell us that I don't have to give us all the statistics, even in the natural realm, when a father is in a home, when he's not in a home. The statistics are frightening. They're overwhelming. How much more when that man is not merely just a male, but he's a man of God that walks with God and follows the pattern of God, his life and his influence, again, the power of his presence automatically releases protection, impartation, instruction, example. A father's description, number one, he's there. Just like our heavenly father is here. Just like he's with us and he's for us. And we find protection in his arms and encouragement with his voice. The power of your presence is a marvelous thing. The gift of your influence is an eternal thing that will bless generations and generations. And the ability to influence and reinforce how we live. We are able to um, press deeper the convictions. We want them to believe. Not merely just by speaking them, but by speaking them and living them, they're driven down deeper. So number one, he's there. But secondly, he's a provider. He's a provider. And we're all familiar, Genesis 22 and 14, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He's committed to our providing. God says, men, be like me. Be there and provide. Be there and provide. First Timothy 5 and 8. If anyone does not provide, For his relatives, especially his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Our Heavenly Father provides. He's a giver. He's a carer. He supplies all of our needs. And we love that. We love that verse. And God says, man, be like me. Provide for those that are entrusted to you. Provide for them physically. Provide for them emotionally. And provide for them spiritually. Provide for them physically. And we pretty much have that down. Work and provide. And go the extra mile. After the Lord, your family, you care for, you provide for them. But their emotional needs. Don't forget that I'm calling you to be like me. To function as I function. And we provide in the natural. We provide in the emotional. We provide with discipline. We provide with encouragement. We provide with borders and boundaries. We provide with motivation. And we do our best to build a healthy atmosphere where healthy esteem can grow and nurture. And there's an atmosphere that fosters emotional health and esteem. A place of peace. Not, not, not anxiety. A place of joy and not tension. And the spiritual needs. 
the first place they learn is in the home. The spiritual needs to pray for them. Teach them God's word. Show them the importance of God's house and how to act in God's house. Ephesians 6 and 4. Ephesians 6 and 4 is, is again, Paul. Fathers, don't, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't be overly harsh with them. Don't be so harsh that it, you know, it does the opposite. But bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. That shows you love. That shows you care. That's part of our responsibility to be God's men. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. Here's Paul. Paul says, I was like a father. I was like a father. How is a father to act? Paul, well, he writes, For you know how we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Stop. Paul's saying this is how a father should deal with his own children as he is providing and nurturing, not only physically, not only emotionally, but spiritually. Verse 12, Paul says, we're encouraging you. I'm going to encourage you in your walk with God. I'm going to encourage you that God is a good God. I'm going to encourage you and let you know God has a plan for your life and it's the best plan. So don't believe the lies you see here. Don't believe the discouragement you see over there. Believe and walk with the living God. I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to comfort you because I know in this life you're going to fall just like the old man fell once or twice. I know in this world you're going to stumble and make a mistake and you don't need to be kicked while you're down. You need to be lifted up and I'm going to comfort you. But most of all, I'm going to urge you. I'm going to urge you. I'm just not taking this thing lightly. I'm going to urge you. Live worthy of God. It's the most important thing you'll ever do is give Jesus the proper place in your life. Serve Him. Walk with Him. I'm going to urge you son i'm going to urge you daughter live worthy of god he's calling you to his kingdom and his glory god's man that's imitating our father carrying out our function in the earth we're um we're there we're present like god is present but we're providers and we don't just provide in the natural that's important and that's necessary but that's only one third of the equation we're going to provide in the emotional realm we're going to create a steady home a loving home a home of encouragement, a home where there's peace, a home where there's safety and security, but we're going to provide in the spiritual. And you know, men, you might not be a wonderful teacher. Maybe teaching is not your thing, but you can do your best to bring them to where the teachers are. You can do your best after you live the life to get them to God's house where there's other wonderful men and women that are good teachers. And they can do maybe what you're not gifted at, but we are God's men. And God says, number one, here's the description. I want my men to be like me you see our heavenly father says men imitate me it's so important that you do because you have been created and empowered to do what others cannot do especially to your sons especially to your sons the power god's man has the power the man has in the influence of his son is something just just it's, it's divine Bishop Jakes wrote in one of his earliest books, he said, Dad is our first definition of masculinity. His absence leaves us desperately looking for someone else to fill the blank. If the church doesn't do it after that, and he goes on to warn of the various groups that that, um, they want our sons. They want our sons. That's why it's important that we're there. But he says, Empty sons will always look for someone to fill in the blank left by a father who isn't there. So number one this morning, I want us to remember 
how important that you are in your world under God. I want you to realize and remember how important you are. Are you frail? Absolutely. We all are. Do you make mistakes? Absolutely. Most of us made about six and a half since we've been here. At times, do you zig when you should have zagged? Of course, of course. Changes nothing. The fact is, you were made in the image of God. And when you came to Christ, you were anointed with that Spirit of God. And you have an influence and a power. God said, number one, man, I want you to remember this morning and realize how important you are. But secondly, I want you to realize because of that, it's greatly important that we keep our walk with the Lord solid. We keep our walk with the Lord consistent, fresh, because it's out of that that we have something to give others. It's out of receiving from heaven. We've got something to pour out. And understand, understand your moral influence, your spiritual authority, and your physical presence. Protect, impart, and pass on what you hold so dear. Let me give you six pieces of gold. Six pieces of gold that God's man, walking with God, available, there, involved, will give to your family. When we seek first the kingdom, six pieces of gold. You don't have to be rich to give this inheritance. You don't have to have degrees in psychology and theology to give this inheritance. You don't have to be able to bench 400 pounds or drive the biggest boat to give this inheritance. But just by walking with God and then walking faithfully as God's man, you will automatically bring these blessings to those that God has given you. You're going to give, number one, security. Security is a wonderful thing. Where children grow up feeling safe and feeling confidence. There's an emotional peace that comes from security. There's not a nerve. You can grow healthy. You know, people, it's hard to grow when there's a security. Secondly, there's an identity. People all over, who am I? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to function? What role do I have? Don't listen to the world. They're, they're, they're as messed up as you can believe. You can't, you can't listen to the news and find out. And the children say, who am I? How am I to function? If I'm a man, how do I act? How do I treat a woman? I, gotta see, I can't listen to them. How do I? And identity, identity. Their image. They're growing up. Who am I? And the image is developing. And the world is lying. And deception is all over. But there's an example And there's an instruction. There's a significance that comes. Pieces of gold. When God's man walks with God, fulfilling his role, he brings a security. He brings an identity. There's a significance that is passed on to those. They they, they realize they have a sense of value. They have a sense of, uh, of worth. You see, lonely people have a sense of devaluing themselves. Those that have been rejected or those that have been abandoned, they have a sense of, uh, of devaluing themselves, and that makes them prime targets for the enemy. But when you're walking as God's man, those around you feel special, and they feel significant. They feel cared for. They feel loved. Their spirituality, that's the most important. Bring them Jesus. You bring them Jesus. Amen? They realize that real men praise the Lord. They realize that real men can shoot the deer, gut the buck, and then they can go to church in God's house and go to the altar and shout and dance. They're real men. 
aren't ashamed to lift up their Bible and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God until salvation. Real men can go to the gym and bench press and do all that and then still say, I love Jesus with a tear in their eye because he first loved me. That's what real men do. And when God's man walks with God, people are still around him. See, Jesus, is, he's not for Martians and he's not for the weak. Real men love the Lord. He brings affirmation. Affirmation is a precious commodity that improves. That's um, verbal and nonverbal affirmation. It's like mega vitamins when it comes to self-esteem. You're being affirmed. You're not being torn down. You're being affirmed. You're not being rejected. And last but not least, this next piece of gold, appreciation. By your presence, walking with God, speaking the words of God, shining forth from the Spirit of God. Those around you get that gold piece called appreciation. It says to that person, you're important. You have a place. You belong. Everybody likes to know I belong. It's a terrible feeling to feel I don't belong. But when that person walks with God, oh, the sense of belonging reaches deep into the heart, filling with joy, bringing stability. You see, our Heavenly Father gives us all these things through Jesus Christ. When a true salvation, if you're understanding the great salvation we have, all of these things come fully through Jesus Christ. All of these things come in our salvation. And then as parents... These are the things that foster the the spiritual and emotional health of a child and the health of a family. As we walk with God, He flows through us. And the works that He does, we do also. Think about it. We flip real quick into raising someone from the dead. Don't worry about raising them from the dead. Worry about um, um, nourishing them while they're alive by walking with God. You see, along with our description, God also secondly wants to give us a dynamic, a power and enabling to walk this walk, to fulfill our role. If we don't understand that God is a God that also gives us, he gives us a pattern, but then he gives us the power to fulfill the pattern. That God is not merely saying, all right, here's the description. Now walk like this. If he didn't give us the dynamic or the power or the enabling to do so, the load could get heavy. The the, the package could get a little weary to carry this package and, and fulfill this role. So we recognize, secondly, number two, I want to talk about the dynamic. You know, seasons in life change. And seasons change, and we change. We change. And um, we desperately need the dynamic of God to face every season. We need grace for new challenges and new seasons in life. And again, again, um, seasons change, but I want to thank the Lord that God is faithful and he gives us more grace as the years demand. Seasons change and affects our lives. It's like the, the mother was sitting there with the four-year-old boy and they were looking at the old family album and the boy pointed to this picture of a handsome young man. I mean, he's in shape, man. He's looking good, dark, good set of dark, curly hair. And the boy says, Mom, who's that? She says, that's your father. Boy looked a little confused, and he looked back at his mother and said, then who's that fat ball guy that lives with us now? Amen. And see, see, <laughs> seasons, see, seasons change in life. Sometimes you can't do anything about them. But God says, I have a dynamic. I have a dynamic. Let me teach you something. I'm going to teach you something right now. Good. Pay attention. You're going to learn something right now. This, this is good. It'll help me the rest of my life here. This is how God wants his preachers to preach. 
my word, my word, excuse me, my word gives you the pattern or the instruction. And this is the challenge is to grow. This gives us a pattern. This gives us the bullseye. What's the bullseye for us? We know where to shoot. This, this God wants us reaching towards this. Amen? Preacher, you, you, you preach the word, you challenge, calling, uh, exhortation is a sanctified challenge, is what the word means. To exhort, you're calling, hit the pattern, hit the mark, but don't stop there. Because if you stop there, you can tend to leave people with the target to reach, but no power or encouragement to reach it. So call them onwards. So that way God's not pleased when we just settle and get complacent, lukewarm, I think the Bible calls it, if we want to get scriptural here, lukewarm. He's not pleased with that kind of walk with God. Don't let anyone fool you. He wants everyone growing from faith to faith, grace to grace. He wants everyone pressing towards the mark to grow in God, understanding the will of God and the call of God for all of our lives. So we set the pattern. We call them and give them the challenge and the exhortation towards what God wants us to be, but then we don't stop there. Then we give them the encouragement that by God's grace and by God's Spirit, we can meet the challenge. If all we did is set forth a challenge without the encouragement, people walk away, well, I, I feel like a slug. I can't reach it. But if we never challenge it, call them on growing God. Don't be satisfied with a complacent walk with God. Give God your very best. If we never did that, then we'd have a lot of spiritually fat Christians, you see. So God said, no, 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 no. Give them the pattern, but then give them the encouragement that if they want to, I'll give them grace that they could meet the pattern. So God gives us all these names in the Scripture, and they reveal who God is to us, but we don't stop there. Then he says, men, this is how you imitate me. The Bible says, be ye imitators of God, as he's a father and we are fathers. What kind of father am I to be? Well, I'm supposed to be there. God is Jehovah Shammah. He's present. He's involved. He's not distant. That's one role. That's one way I'm... Secondly, he's a provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides for us. And as that male, God has called me to be the vessel that he flows through to provide for the family, and for the community that I, I provide. I provide physically. I provide emotionally. I provide spiritually. I don't just get to sell out, well, someone else does the other. No, I might not be as good at mom in some things, but I still have my role to play. I might not be a great teacher. Maybe a reading wasn't my best thing, but I can certainly get up and get them to church and make sure they're in Sunday school so those that are gifted in that can teach them. But I am fulfilling my role. You see what I mean? There's different ways to fulfill that role. So number one, God says, men, this, this is, this is the, the demonstration or the description. I want you to understand this. I want you to recognize what you should be reaching for. But now, I want you to know that it's not up to you to grind it, to, to frustrate it out. I've given you the dynamic of my Holy Spirit. That you can do what you've been called to do. You can fulfill your role as my man in this present hour. 
You can be the husband you need to be. You can be the father you need to be. You can be the son you need to be. But it's not all up to you to do it in your own strength. But I've given you my Holy Spirit to enable you to fulfill your calling and to carry out your purpose in the earth. Can you say amen? All right, let's look at this a little closer here. His dynamic, the dynamic of God. Or, let's put it this way, with our great responsibility, God grants great and rich resources to help us fulfill our roles as father, husband, and son. Three thoughts under the dynamic. There's a model, there's a mantle, and then there's mentors. And let's just look at this together. Number one, there's a model. God says, men, I know sometimes there's confusion out there and the world says this and the definition of masculinity or manhood or fatherhood, it can change from here to there. But I've given you a model so you're not confused. I've given you a clear communication so you don't got to figure this out on your own. There's a model. God shows us. His Word teaches us. Jesus came and demonstrated to us how to live this life. The Bible gives us a clear pattern Revelation, clear communication of what masculinity is. What a father is, what a son is, what a husband is, what a man is. Man of God, don't let the world sell you on an image that's not of God. A lot of confusion, a lot of deception abounding in this present age. But you have a clear model through the Word of God from your Creator and your Designer of how you are to function in every realm of life. You're made in God's image. Don't let the world or this culture squeeze you into its mold. So number one, God says, man, I've given you a model. You don't have to try to figure it all out. I've given you a model. How to, how to work and how to love and how to treat your wife and how to be on the job and, and how to raise kids. I've given you a model. I've given you something that you can go to. Amen. You don't have to try to find it. I've given you my, but second, I've given you a mantle. I've given you the mantle of my Holy Spirit. God gives us, um, God gives His sons power to live this life, fulfilling, again, purpose. Power to carry out our call. You can, you can be the man God's called you to be. You might have come from dysfunction 101. You got a new father. He'll help you to walk a new road that maybe you never walked and you've never seen it lived out before you. But God says, I've given you a model and I've given you a mantle. And you can be the father and the husband I desire you to be. Because I'm going to show you how to do it. And by my spirit, if you'll work with me, I will give you the strength to do it. God says the Holy Spirit grants us. The divine enabling. So that it's not just this grinded out, grit my teeth type of existence. It doesn't have to be one step forward, two step backward type of life. But Paul writes to us in Galatians 2 and 20, It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. 
Here's the key. Here's the key. And we look at our frailties or we look at the failures of the past and, or the dysfunction and, and I don't know how to do this and I don't understand this. And sometimes just doing it the right way is just too much. I mean, and it's easy just to say, forget it and yield to the old. But God says, no, 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 no. Paul writes to us, it's, I don't have to live it. You don't have to live it as much as you allow the Spirit of God to live it through you. So you can be that husband, you can be that father. You can carry out that role and you can fulfill that purpose. Not by our own efforts and our own strength, but by the power of God available to you if you'll walk with Him. The Lord said, you shall receive power when my Spirit comes upon you. And again, we hear these things about we shall receive power and we got images of lifting someone from the chair or, or seeing someone fall down and all these images come to our mind. But, but God says, listen, I, I've given you power to function as you were ordained and destined to function. You can walk in a fallen world, but walk as God's man because God's Spirit lives in you. You can function in an atmosphere that is cold to the things of God, perverted to the morality of God. But you can function there because the same Spirit that raised Jesus dwells in you and you can function, but you're never there by accident. You're God's man in God's place, filled with God's Spirit. You're His ambassador. You're His light to wherever you go. That power is there so you can overcome. Because we all have junk we have to overcome. And you can fulfill because life changes. And just when you think you mastered one thing, a new season begins. You've got to master something else. Just when you thought you avoided that deal, and ha, 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 a new season smacks you in the face. And you said, oh, man, I thought maybe I'd get away with that. I thought I didn't have to go. I thought maybe, you know, I was praying life would pass before I had to deal with it. And I said, uh-uh, don't pass gold, don't collect $200. But God says, you shall receive power, power to live, power to live, power to live. The dynamic we have as God's men, that I do not have to be intimidated or overwhelmed or frightened by the description of God's man. I know it's not a perfect man because we're not perfect men. I know it's not got it all together because we're all under construction, but thank God we're not what we used to be. Can you say Amen. We're going forward in that. But there's a description. But don't let the description embarrass you or intimidate you. Recognize the description is the goal to communicate clearly God's will, God's design, God's way for you to walk and live and fulfill your purpose. But along with the description, there is a divine dynamic, the power of God's Spirit. He'll help you overcome the things that just want to cripple your manhood or cripple you from being the leader God's called you to be. But it'll empower you to whatever comes your way. You don't have to give in to the world and the wind of the world's deceptions that are blowing. You can stand firm. You can walk in love. You can walk in strength. You can walk in purity. Whatever comes your 
way in the cesspool of the world in which we live. You can stay pure by the Spirit of God. You can stay with integrity by the Spirit of God. And you can deal with whatever comes against you. And I know things are complex and, and families are combined and there's a lot of battling out there. But you've got the wisdom of God at your table. You've got the strength of God at your table. If you're God's man, nothing can stand against you. But you don't walk this walk alone. You walk it under the guidance and the empowering of the living God. And God says the work I began in you. I'm going to finish that work and I'm going to use your life. So remember right now how important you are. Don't ever forget how important you are. How God desires you and your family needs you. And if you look to the Lord, He'll work in you and He'll work through you. Blessed be His name forevermore. Hallelujah. You don't know that, do you? Sometimes the men get intimidated. On one hand, the world says, just live like a piece of junk. And then on the side, they put all the weight, and they feel like, I can't meet up to the challenge. But God says, no, you don't got to live like those perverts. You don't got to live like that nonsense in the world. Don't got to be bound by that nonsense. You can live it, and you don't have to be overwhelmed by it. Because my spirit within you will enable you to fulfill your role. You know, when God makes a bird, he makes the bird so that bird can fly. Can you say amen? Amen. That, that bird, that bird flies. Isn't that right? That fish swims. That fi- God made a fish. That fish will know how to swim. Man, God give you what you need to carry out your role as you walk with him. And you look to him. The dynamic, the dynamic. There's a model. I'm glad there's a model. How easy would it be to be deceived if we didn't have a model? If we didn't have a consistent pattern, how easy would it be to be deceived in this present hour? But we have a model that clearly communicates this is what a man is, how a man functions, this is masculinity, this is a father, this is not a father. But then there's the mantle, Spirit of God. But sometimes my biggest enemy is me. And it's the spirit that helps me overcome that old me. The old frailties, the old that, that want to trip me up, tear me down. Amen? Sometimes not so much the enemy out there, the enemy in here, that I need the help of the spirit. But then there's mentors. Mentors. Are we talking about mentors? Mm. Mentors. Man of God, you're, you're not alone on this journey. You're not alone on this journey. You've got God. But you've also have your brothers. You have other men. You have mentors. You have ministers. You have the brethren to support you and assist you. To stand with you. To pick you up when you fall. To lift up your hands when you're growing weary. And sometimes it just gets hard to keep going strong as we ought. Mentors are so important. I believe the story of Lazarus from John the 11th chapter, most are familiar with that story. Uh, I believe it illustrates the importance of mentors so well. A mentor is just another man that's still walking, that has the awareness and the compassion to see a brother in need and be there to lift him up and reach out to him. It's on one hand, we need to make ourselves available to the help. But on the other hand, we need to be watchful, recognizing that other men are going through the same stuff I'm going through, I've gone through, and 
Sometimes they can use a hand. Sometimes they can use a, a support. Everybody remember John 11 and Lazarus? Remember that story? They came to Jesus, and Jesus got the call and went like this. Lazarus, the one whom you love, is sick. You can be sick and still loved by God. You can be struggling and still loved by God. The Bible says Jesus waited. A couple of days he waited. He waited. That's not very Jesus-like, but he waited. For God's glory, the Bible says, he waited. Sometimes he waits. And when his timing can frustrate us, but his timing is his timing. But in this case, he had a greater miracle to perform and a greater lesson to teach us. And Jesus finally got there. And you know the story. Remember, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He waited. He wept. Then he raised. But he wept. He wept. And and what did they say? If you would have been here, Lord of only, and it's almost like an accusation against Jesus. almost like a criticism. Lord, if you would have been, if only you wouldn't have, if only... You know, you, you got to love the Lord. Um, it's been said like this. Jesus is soft enough to cry at a friend's funeral. But then he's powerful enough to call him from the grave. What a Jesus that we serve. What a Savior that we live for. The Bible says he wept. And then when he finished weeping, he started um, raising. And there's three commands in the story. The first command, again, we're all familiar. What's the first command? Roll away the stone. Remove the hindrance. Whatever is hindering you from that deliverance, from that healing, from receiving, do what you can do. Do your part that God can work in your life. Roll the stone away. Anyone's going to raise the dead after four days? Think he can move a stone? Of course he could. Teaching us the principle. Do your part. Meet God halfway. I can hear a coach, a coach. I can hear a football coach right now. Zeno, meet me halfway. God said, officers, meet me halfway. Do what you can do. Remove what you can remove. And get to the place where you need to get. But then there's a second command. And that second command was so personal and so powerful. It was a command that he spoke to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come back. Maybe you're sitting here today and God says, come back. It's time to come back. It's time to come back. It's time to rise up. It's time to start striving and reaching towards God like you once did. The Bible says that Lazarus arose, yet he's still wrapped like a mummy. He's alive, yet he's struggling. Jesus is calling to you. He understands we can be alive and still struggling. We could sing amazing grace and still not have our acts together totally. We, we can have victory but still have an area that maybe... And, and it, the Lord speaks. Come back. Come forth. Lazarus, here he is. He's raised from the dead, but he's only halfway to freedom. Think about it for a moment. Because we would think, I would think, we would think that once Jesus calls a person by the power of his word, he's raised from the dead. It's over. Victory. Hallelujah. But that wasn't the case, was it? Jesus had one more command. Now, this command is not to move a stone. This command was not even to the one that had been dead in the cave. This command is to the mentors and the ministers and the brethren and all those around. He said, loose him and let him go free. He said, man of God, your brother needs you. 
man of God, be ready to assist your struggling brother, your struggling sister. To the struggling, he says, take advantage and do what you can do. Hop to the help, but do your part to get to the place where we can finish the healing and we can finish the deliverance and we can finish the breakthrough. But to the others that are doing pretty good and, and, and we're going about our day and life's treating us good, he says, be alert. Don't be selfish. Be alert. Don't just judge them, Mr. Hopping. Reach out to them, help them to go from hopping to leaping and running in victory. Why are they even coming to church? They don't got their act together. They're just hopping. They're doing all they can to get there. They heard the Lord say, be saved. They heard the Lord say, you can be healed. And they just, they just, they, they just, if you wait for them to be totally whole, they'll never come. And they don't come totally whole. They've heard the voice. There's part of them that believes. There's part of them that's, but they're still struggling. And Jesus didn't say, yes, let me unwrap them. No, no, no. He said, you, loosen. Command number three, you, 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 loosen. Help them out. Get in there. Unwind him. Help him. Mentors, help him. Mentors, be there. You look at that story, right? Jesus, come forth. And there's Lazarus hearing and hopping. One person put it like this. He's too bound to walk, but too tenacious to stay. When God calls you, when you hear the voice of God urging you, Respond any way you can. You gotta want it. And then the mentors, be there for them. See them hopping, struggling, and be the instrument that God uses to loosen, to support them, to minister to them. Can you bless his name? Uh, I'm gonna come down because I want to finish in a minute. And if I stay up there I might not. Love you, man. Love you, man. Feel like having a men's conference. Love you, man. You guys are all right. You guys are all right. Look at this guy, Jimmy and Steve. You guys are all right. None of these guys all right, huh? Huh? Brother Brown, brother Brown, brother and sister Brown. They were there yesterday. They were there yesterday. Felt like a hundred degree heat. They're out there yesterday, finding souls. Always finding lambs. Always finding lambs. If there's a lost lamb, they got a Geiger counter. They'll find the lost lamb. They, they, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. They got that right there. They're telling you. Wonderful group of men. Yeah, wonderful group of men. And God says, men, be like me. This this world needs you. Hollywood might make fun of you. They might pervert the definition of who you're supposed to be. But I've called you and created you. And your purpose is to represent me in the earth, in your families, and in your world. And I give you the definition so you can understand that. So you're not, you won't have to be confused. The world of confusion. You listen to Stephanopoulos and that crowd, you get very confused. I go to B-I-B-L-E. There's no, there's clear communication there. Come on, amen? But he says, I'm not just asking you to grind it out. No, no, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I know you don't got your act together. It's only God's got his act together. The rest of us are all under construction. But you got to believe you can. It's the spirit of God. We overcome things. We challenge things. But we can fulfill our divine purpose. This God's spirit. But it's going to take a decision. Decision. God, 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 God. 
God can't make you do anything, can he? He can't twist your heart. He can call you. He can urge you. His deciding, you put it on the PowerPoint. Now we get this talk. His decision. Everybody remember Joshua 24, 14, 15. Joshua says, but as for me, he says, choose you this day. You make a choice who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Very careful, man. Number one, it's a personal decision. Josh, as for me. It's none of this do as I say stuff. As for me. It starts with me. I'm making the decision. I'm going to serve God the best I can. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to love that word. I'm going to honor his house. I'm going to do my best. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm going to fall, but I'm going to get back up, cry my tears, ask God to forgive me, get going. Get going. Amen? No sense in lying about it, all right? I'm going to get back up, but I'm going to make a decision. So it starts with me. Man, it starts with you, with a personal decision. As for me, don't stop there. As for me and my house, I'm taking them with me at my house. Listen, Hollywood don't determine what happens at my house. The government, is how, how I choose my house. My, remember Pharaoh? He said, don't take your children with you. Devil is a liar. They're coming with me. My house. Amen? My house. My house. So I'm going to make a personal choice. But that choice not to stay with me. They're coming with me. As for me, my house. I choose for my house. School system don't choose for my house. Amen? That team don't choose for my house. You see what I mean? Politics, I don't care. President X, Y, or Z. They don't choose for my house. For me, my house, we, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve Jesus Christ. We're going to honor him at home. We're going to honor his house. We're going to live for him in our communities. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. I'm going to pray. If all the males would stand, I'm going to pray the blessing. Ladies, you know by faith you can grab any of this, but this is just, we're just going to bless the men in a special way today. But, you know, you take the sermon, put women in there, and God will bless you too. Amen. I'm going to pray this blessing. And when I get done praying, yeah, if you're a male, I, I, you don't have to be a father yet. Amen. You're a male. God wants to bless you. Uh, when I pray this prayer, I wrote out some things as I was meditating, so. Hopefully, the, the prayer is not just off the top of my head. So I want you to reach out to God and make that fresh commitment to God. As for me and my house. starts with me. Start Once it gets me, then it can get my house. Amen? All right. I'm going to pray the blessing, and then we're going to open the altar. And then if anyone, male, female, you need prayer, or you just want to come and pray, Find an altar. If you need prayer, someone will pray with you. But let's believe God. God loves you men. I love you men. We've got a great, great group of men here. Faithful men. From A to Z. From music and teaching to mowing lawns and fixing roofs. We've got a great, great group of men here. Through the years, always had a great group of men here. Some of these churches always bellyache no men. This church always had good men. Part of our good tradition having faithful, consistent, devoted men to God's house. You know, some churches can't say that. But I know the whole history of this church always been a solid group of men. Oh, that's, that's honorable. That's, that's of God. That's a blessing. That's a blessing right there. And we've got a great group now. And God wants to bless you. 
And God wants you to know how important you are. Don't ever forget that. There's a badge of honor. The Almighty God. I'm important. He made me important. And my role is important in life. Amen. Don't matter what your income is. Doesn't matter if you got degrees or not. It's not what we're talking about. You're God's man. You're important. And you have a wonderful function. We pray. Father, I want to thank you for each one of these men that are here this morning. Whether they're young or old, Father God, I thank you for these precious men. Oh God, help them to fulfill their divine calling. They were created in your image and after your likeness. Those that are here and they're saved, they've been born again by your Spirit and they have a divine calling that you have placed upon them. Father God, I ask you to heal the wounds. Heal the bruises and the pains that life has inflicted upon these men. Some of them might be here this morning. They've never even talked about things that bother them at night. They've never even talked about things they've gone through that still kind of harass them and afflict them. But, oh God, in the name of Jesus, Father, heal the wounds of these men. Reach deep within their heart with your healing oil. Touch their minds. Touch their hearts. Heal that area that always wants to lash back and be frustrating. Set them free in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that you'd give a fresh sensitivity to your voice each and every day, a fresh sensitivity to your voice and your spirit. Grant these men a fresh new spiritual power to live out this Christian life consistently and victoriously, in public and in private. Father, fill these men afresh. Fill them. Fill them. Fill them with your Spirit, O God. Fill them, Lord, with a fresh impartation of life and anointing to walk in strength, to walk in spiritual courage and boldness in Jesus' name. And Father, help us to follow your example get knocked down, give us the grace to stand back up. If we miss the mark, give us the humility to say we missed the mark and make it right and march on. Help these men to follow your example, Father. Help us to live lives that would release great and eternal blessing to those you've entrusted to us. Father, let our influence, let the power of our presence daily impart rich blessing to our children and to our spouses. Let our lives be encouraging lives. Let our lives be lives that give appreciation and affirmation. Grant fresh grace to overcome anything that would try to entangle, anything that would try to discourage or hold us back. Grant fresh grace, O God, to do as we've been called to do to function as our calling requires, to meet every season. I pray for those right now, Father. Might be going through a challenging season. This is a season like one they've never gone through before, but, oh, God, remind your man that you're with him and you're for him. Remind your man that your grace will be sufficient to meet whatever he's facing, to do it, to do it, to do it victoriously. Let him know you're there for him. If he's got no one to talk to, he can talk to Abba Father. If he's got no one else that he can just look up to and pour out his heart, there's Abba Father. Father God, help us to continue on in faith, 
to be the sons, the husbands, and the fathers you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Can we sing this song one time through? And if you need prayer, the altar is open. If not, just sing it through and then you're dismissed. But let's let's let God touch lives. Hallelujah.
let troubled minds know peace. Father God, refresh the weary. Inspire faith afresh in that heart. Let that altar, let that fire blaze for God. And Father God, use your sons and your daughters. Use them in a mighty way this week. Order their steps. Anoint their words. Let your power flow from their hands. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that you're a heavenly Father. And we thank you for our earthly Father. How you've blessed us. And how you've been good to us. 